Well, thank you, Laura, for the presentation. I'm very glad to be, I'm very pleased to be part of this conference uh, today in the Montana Historical, this Montana Historical Conference and and be sharing this uh, this talk with Zoe uh, uh, in this panel on livestock ranching, which is, as Laura said, uh, one of the most important sectors in the history of this state. I would like to thank also to the HR family who has joined uh, today uh, to to listen to my talk and also for for all, for all their hospitality uh, while I've been here. While I've been here doing some research and I want to thank you them and uh, for also sharing uh, their personal, their family archives to, to, to do this project. My paper explores the, the lives of the ranching career of John uh, Echar, who was one of the most prominent uh, ranchers in the state of uh, Montana. He was a Basque, one of those Basque immigrants who came in the early 20th century and from working as a sheep herder, he became a, a rancher in, in this part of the country. And, and I, I, I will focus, uh, because of the time it's very difficult to condense, to synthesize all the, all the very interesting career of, of, uh, of John. But I will focus well in questions of land and also the, the vast labor that John uh, in his operation employed. Born on August uh, 2, 1882, John Echar grew up in the rural town of Aldudes in Lower, in Lower Navarre. So here you can see the map of the, the historic map of the Basque country. So this is, uh, this mark, uh, this point marks where, where John uh, and, and his family, uh, where John grew up before coming to the American West. In 1900, uh, following his brother Michel, Michelle's steps, John immigrated to Southern California and found employment, as many Basques did before, as a zip herder in the foothills of Santa Monica in Southern California. Here you can see this family picture of the Yetzards in the Aldudes. The number seven uh, is John, and his, his brother is the, the number six, who, who went, who immigrated before John to, to California and welcome him in, in, the, in, the, in the training station of uh, LA in, in, in California. After one year working as a sheep herder, he moved along with his brother and Martin Chavagno to Elko County in Nevada, who was one of the most important uh, counties in the Great Basin at that time in terms of livestock ranching. At the turn of the century, Elko County had become the leading, also Basque immigrant center in the American West. Here you can see uh, how in, 19, in 1910, uh, Pete Howdery uh, built one Basque immigrant for, from, from Guernica, uh, built this, uh, this boarding house to, to help the Basque immigrants in their, in their way, in their, in their immigrant experience in, in, this part of the, in, in this part of Nevada. And at that time was when, uh, when John, well in this context was when John and his brother uh, moved to this part of, of the country. They trailed sheep, they sheep from the Bruno River Basin in southern Idaho, close to, to Elko County. And uh, from, from this uh, summer ranch to their winter ranch in, in, in Arizona. 
1910, the 28-year-old uh, chart. Well, before going to that, I would like to show you some documents of that time. Uh, during uh, this, this operation lasted nine years when they were in Elko County. And uh, in terms of solidarity among the different Basques, uh, John and, and his brother employed, of course, uh, Basque immigrants. And these receipts of payment wages uh, demonstrate that. So you can see here, for example, John in Chauspen, who work, all of them were ship herders working for, for, for John. Cadet uh, Anso, Bernard Capdevont, and uh, Auguste Echeverry. So all, all these last names are very familiar in this area of, of the state of Nevada. Uh, also, I want to show you this is, uh, this is a page of the journal of 19, well, business journal of uh, John Echart. And here you can see all the list of all the ship herders. And we have names like uh, Joel or the, uh, Lord Dueta. Uh, Martin Echart, uh, I'm writing here because I cannot see. Uh, Joe Herreca, uh, Cadet Sasaga, Lucien Spill, who also the Spills uh, came to this part of the country in Montana, uh, Gaston Arostegui, and John, John Walder. So you can see here Herreca, uh, John Artano uh, also. So. It is clear how uh, John was very involved with not only with the Basque community in Echo County, Nevada, but also uh, assisted these these Basque immigrants giving giving jobs as ship carters in, in their livestock company. In 1910, the 28-year-old John Echard suffered a serious leg injury when an unbroken horse threw him. His basket tender could bring to the local uh, hospital in Elko County. And the bank banker partner who was part of the part this partnership refused to, to, to share the expenses that the, these medical expenses uh, uh, well this they refused to, to share with uh, with John the medical expenses that uh, that have to take during these months. And also, they didn't pay the salary that corresponded to, to him. So once uh, he recovered, then they, they dissolved the uh, John uh, dissolved the partnership and emerged with a fortune of uh, uh, $28,000, which actually this capital was important in order when he moved to here uh, to start a new operation in, in the ship business. Also, this I want to show you this uh, this table, which is from well, it's from my dissertation. But this I think very interesting to see how how important was the ship industry at that time in the American West. This is for Nevada, but we can use it as a, an example for the other states. And even if the ship carders were denigrated or socially marginalized in terms of cultural in the culture of the frontier. In comparison with the cowboys, as you know, in these uh, struggles between the cowboys and the ship herders, as you can see in this table, the ship herders were, were gaining more money than the cowboys. So, so this is how many bus came here and they made their way uh, in this in the immigrant experience. 
At the time of the charge and Sabagno dissolved the executive operation, the, U the U.S. Forest Service had already established a ranch control program, a ranch control program in newly, the new national forest units. However, the still abundant public grazing lands beyond the Forest Service national forests within the state were anything but, but orderer. During that period, however, an increasing number of newcomers arrived with new seed bands to share their resources, like, the, like many bus came at that time. At the same time, established ranchers, be they seed people or cattle people, raised concerns about non-citizen immigrants possessing grazing permits in the national forest. On the other hand, and as this, this picture of the Star Hotel shows, a more settled Basque immigrant community population dispersed in the West served to attract the emigration of more of their countrymen. By 19, 1910, I estimated in my dissertation that about uh, more than, uh, well, uh, 8,400 Basque immigrants were living in the state of California, Nevada, Idaho, and Wyoming. And these bats were keep moving, they keep moving to, to the east, to places like Colorado, uh, Arizona, or well, southern, to, southern, to south Arizona, and even to, to here, to Montana. In the early 20th century, a network of, of different bus communities, bus immigrant communities all over the American West, was then able to develop better collective strategies to help to help immigrants in the transition to living in their whole society. In this process, uh, the boarding houses like the Star became very important. Or the one in my city, in Montana, who was one of the boarding houses, the bus boarding houses, to help the Basques uh, in this part of the country. Thereafter, this, uh, in 1910, John returned home. It was, it was when then when he engaged with his with his future wife, uh, Catherine Urquilux. In this, in this visit, apparently John met up another Basque named Pierre, uh, Pierre uh, Sacardoulos, who had been before in, in Valley County, in this area of northeastern Montana, and encouraged him to, to go to this part instead of returning to Nevada to, to start a new operation there. Uh, because Sagardulut, according to Sagardulut, uh, it was very good grazing land in this part of the country. So John did this uh, this trip. He crossed the Atlantic again in 1911. Uh, he he rented a horse and set out. Uh, well, he he traveled from New York to to Seiko in Montana. He rented a horse and he rode uh, on horseback, uh, looking for good uh, ranges to start uh, his new business. Next day, in the, well, just after his arrival, next day, uh, he already negotiated uh, the purchase of a, a log cabin there in, who was also a, a, well, was a property of Graciana uh, Oronov, a man of bus who was already in the, in the early 1900s. And on October 24, 1911, as this, uh, this deed shows, uh, which is from the courthouse of uh, Valley County, John and Charles bought uh, 120 acres of uh, land from Alfred Brussel, Brussel, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing well, but this is their name, and his wife Agnes, 
uh, for $35,000. Uh, this time, uh, well, John had saved a lot of money in Nevada and this allowed to start this new business in, in Valley County. This also includes water rights, which was actually recorded by, as I said, by this Basque in Iran, Croatian, or Nos, which I think that uh, well, is difficult to de determine, but I think that is one of the first Basques to be in this area of Montana, uh, to be settled and, and be there in, in 1902, probably earlier. And he set up, John, John in that time, in 1911, set up the beginnings of a ranching operation that will expand to many times in its original size. A chart uh, bought uh, two bunch of sheep, uh, of sheep uh, and, her and grazed this, 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 uh, these bunch uh, along the continent, continental divide in the area north of the McDonald Pass during the summer months with, uh, with two workers and uh, as camp tender. Uh, and this is how John uh, started to, to prosper uh, first in, in the sea business in, in, in Bali County. The, 19, the decade of uh, 1920s became very, very important for John for the expansion. It was in the 1920s John expanded and consolidated significantly his holding buying more land. In 1920, he amassed uh, more than uh, 1,200 acres of land. In 1921, he expanded his operation up to 1,800 uh, acres of land. In 1922, he acquired more than uh, 640 acres of land. It's important is uh, he acquired more than 640 acres under the, the 1916 uh, Homestead Ranching Homestead Act, which was an expansion of the original uh, Homestead Act of, 19, of 1862. And actually, this is how many Basques, uh, not only in Montana, but also all over the West, became important uh, while they started to grow as ranchers, because this law allowed them to, to patent uh, from the government uh, six, six, uh, up to uh, 640 acres, which were for ranching purpose, and it only allowed the surface uh, grazing area and not the, as the homestead act allowed it also to be property of the surface on the, the underground uh, land. But this, 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 this uh, act allowed many of us to, as John did, uh, to, pros to consolidate, the, to consolidate their business. Uh, in 1924, which was a very important year for the Basque immigration when the US Congress passed an immigration act, uh, uh, the quota acts which restricted immigration from, from the Basque country, especially from those Basque who came from Spain, which reduced, I think, if I remember well, was to they reduce it only to 131 immigrants only, considering that only not only the Basque immigrated from Spain, also from Asturias or Galicia or the other provinces in, in Spain. This reduced the opportunities of many Basque to <coughs> to come to the American West. And considering the interwar period between the, these very tumultuous years. Uh, between the two wars, the First World War and the Second World War, 
that many, many of us wanted to, to emigrate to, to America, uh, this affected significantly to, to this Basque immigration. And in this year, in 1924, John acquired uh, uh, almost 1,500 acres uh, of land. In 1925, he acquired uh, more uh, 1,400 acres, and in the, in the last part of the decade, he amassed more land up to 4,000 acres. Furthermore, during the 1920s, he bought up to 120 acres of government land, as you can see in this uh, patent, uh, in this part of the... Very good land. I think that the John has very good. Uh, he observed the land and he had very good eye in, in what land to, to to patent and to buy. And by the late 20s, uh, John was one of the most prosper, prosperous ranchers in northeastern Montana, operating his business upon both private and public domain lands, which was as you know, the, the access to the, all the, the free runs, the still free runs, which in, unlike uh, the western part of the state, the, the eastern part is still remaining, uh, many parts of the state remained unregulated, so this made viable many of the sheep operations uh, like John's. And this was uh, an actually sheep grazing in the west, as you, you I'm sure that most of you, you know, Sheep raising in the West was largely about making claims upon water sources and, and buying up the, repar the riparian areas around water sources to exclude competitors from ranch use. But also it was about getting dependable labor, because if you don't have uh, those uh, workers that are uh, grazing the, your sheep, uh, you need this dependable labor to be uh, all the 24 hours that are working with, uh, with the sheep. By then, the Basque workers were considered as a qualified and desirable shipholders by the non-Basque uh, wool growers. But on the other hand, on the other hand, the Basque ranchers, like uh, well, including John, uh, as as he previously did in in, in Nevada, he continued recruiting uh, Basque uh, Basque immigrants. Well, before going to here, uh, this is another patent, uh, I didn't uh, comment, but this is another pat patent of these very important years of the 1920s. Oh, before going there, yeah. So, uh, and John continued the recruiting uh, in Montana. Uh, those past four weeks, Montana, because many of them still were, mm, the big communities of the past in American West were still in the Great Basin, in southern Idaho, Eastern uh, Oregon or, or even California and places like the uh, Jazz and Joaquin Valley or in, in the areas of Bakersfield and uh, and even even in the southwest in the southwest in places like Arizona. But John keep keep recruiting those Basques uh, and who considered more cohesive, who made the labor force and the workforce more cohesive and more uh, more productive work workforce. Soon the Great Depression disrupted the Western livestock markets and production. Amidst the economic chaos and political indecision with regard to, well, to the public, public domain rangelands, among other things, John uh, Sharp continued uh, amazing, uh, unlike many, many livestock ranchers, 
John uh, acquired more land from the government, as you can see here in this uh, in this patent of 1931. He patented a total of uh, 320 acres, and actually under the original uh, Homestead Act of 1862. And again, here we have uh, in 1932, John patented a total uh, of 32 acres of land under this, uh, this law of 1916 that I commented to you before, the Stock Racing Homestead Act. It took the pression, drought, and the, the election of a new president and new Congress to institute a federal government grazing regime on unregulated public domain grazing lands. In 1934, Colorado, Colorado Congressman Edward Taylor uh, introduced the legislation to establish grazing districts on the, on the remaining on the remained unclaimed public domain land. The intention was to establish districts at the invitation of local graziers and set up a structure for ranch regulation largely under local rancher control overseen by it and in, par in partnership with a, div with a div division of grazing, later the grazing service, under the Department of Interior. The Taylor Grazing Act mandated the Secretary of the Interior, at that time uh, Harold Hikes, which is, uh, which is here, to, est to establish, to, to make an order on these uh, rangelands and to establish, establish the, the order in the Western livestock industry, including, including, Montana, including Montana. And in these this grazing boards, uh, John was very, from the first very beginning, John, John Itzar was very involved. And actually, in this picture, you can see here John already. This picture is from 1936. So John was part already from the beginning of the grazing boards that, uh, well, they locally, they, 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 as the government decentralized the decision to how, how manage these grazing districts, these local boards took the decision and, and they, they managed the land uh, in this case of, uh, of Bali County. After 1934, furthermore, John continued buying land. In the second half of the 1930s, uh, John and Catherine Etzart uh, uh, amassed up to 900 acres of land. By then, John had become a very important rancher in Valley County, not only in Valley County, but also in the state of Nevada, or in the state of Montana, sorry. And this document shows up where clearly it is. You can see here all these Montana wool growers uh, members. And here John, in the year 1935, uh, sold, sold the biggest uh, clip uh, in the spring of 1935, uh, well up to uh, 140,000 pounds of wool uh, in the Eastern market. So, and clearly, it's a big difference con con comparing with the other wool growers. I also want to show you this map. This map is of 19, the early 1940s. And so, uh, these are properties that I've been uh, commenting before. How, uh, and also, how the, the three ranch, uh, I cannot see very well. But so here, here, and here, and how they are 
these are connected, this, this, this line which John wrote with his pencil is the trailing, the trailing that the, the ship handlers did with the ship. And I think that it's very interesting how he managed his operation in, in that way. The outbreak of the Second World War uh, uh, affected also the ship industry, not only in Montana, but also in other parts of the Western states, and became a, a very interesting uh, opportunity to the, ship, to the ship ranchers to grow and to take opportunity from, from the wartime economy. This is, uh, well, this is a, a Purina uh, advertisement, which I think that is very interesting to, 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 to how these wool growers were excited to take advantage of the, of the war and to expand their operations in a time when the, the ship industry in the American West was, was uh, began to decrease in comparison with the cattle, with the cattle industry. For many reasons, among other things, uh, where people started to, to eat more more beef instead of lamb, uh, also the development of new synthetic fibers started to to overcome or to these more traditional uh, materials for uh, for clothing, and also was very important. And actually, this Wolverhampton Association were uh, were born uh, because of this. The, of the tariff question, how the international market, especially the, the bull imported from places like Argentina or Australia or New Zealand, this affected the American ship industry and also the, the Montana ship industry. And another of the problems that uh, affected the, the ship industry was uh, during the war was uh, looking for 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 dependable labor, or basically to find uh, more Basques, more Basque immigrants to work in their ship operations. As I explained before, the Immigration Act of 1924 affected importantly to this, uh, to this flow of immigrants from Spain and France to, to the American West. And the, the, the real effects of this law were felt during the war. Uh, when they, uh, yeah, uh, so, uh, during the war, uh, many Basques also who were working in the ship operations found better job opportunities in the defense industries. They went to CRL or to, to Las Vegas or this, to work in, uh, in, the, yeah, in the defense industries that uh, one time they were paying better, better, better wages. And so the Wool Growers, different Wool Growers Association organized to, to respond and to, to, push the con to push the U.S. Congress to allow the, to allow the Basques to come into the American West to work as ship carders and to consider these quotas applied to Spain or to France. And this letter from Paul Echeparia, who was the son of John, was born here in the U.S. Basque American, and at that time, uh, was already the president of the Montana Wolverhampton Association. He was saying how, uh, was explaining how also Montana was affected for, for this process of how many Basques were were living for the defense industries. I have to say also that uh, this was felt more in the Great Basin in places like Nevada or Idaho. In Montana at that time there were not 
so much past already working in the ship operations, but still it affected. And these letters are clearly, well, uh, John, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Echepare, who Echepare, as you probably know, what is an, another important Basque family in Bali County involved in the ship industry. And how, how he's saying that considerable damage had already been done. And you can keep a good man down, which is when he's talking about the, the passive hazards. Uh, to finish, uh, uh, on, April, on April 17, 1943, Jonathan passed away. Jonathan's individual ranch rights and private, private property provided the principal medium of exchange for renegotiating their collective identity as Basques and social legitimacy within the larger non-Basque community. And I wanted to finish with this uh, picture with Catherine that, well, I have not, because of the time, I have no time to, to also tell the story of Catherine, but she also was very important in, in the ranch and she was very involved until, uh, until the, nine, until, yeah, until the end. Thank you.